0: The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. Lord, we pray that as we look at community today and what that looks like in and through the life of the Christian, that you uh, move us, you transform us, you connect us to each other and to you. We say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. So, we are in a series that I am lovingly referring to as Axe Backwards, both because I am still a 13-year-old boy, and I sticker it every time I say it, uh, but also because we are going through the values that make up Axe, and so our name is both from the book of Axe, but also an acronym for Adventure, Community, Transformation, and Sending, But when we decided we were gonna do this, we actually started with sending. So we started backwards. I said, well, why don't we just do the whole series backwards then? So we had our big sending Sunday two weeks ago where we built the community garden stuff and the pergola. We went over to Baghdad and worked in their community garden and loved on them. We built care packages for our acts of love moms. And we just said, we wanna be a presence and a light in this local community, right? Last week, we talked about transformation. And how, at the end of the day, God is trying to transform all of us into his image. He's trying to transform all of us to look more like him, to reflect his goodness and his love, his grace, and his divine favor to the rest of the world. Today, we're going to be talking about community. And honestly, this is the one that I personally have the hardest time with, right? Sending, I like going out and getting my hands dirty. Transformation, I'm not particularly good at, but I definitely believe in, mostly because the guy looking in the mirror, I'm like, yeah, he needs some work, right? So that one makes sense. But community is a little bit harder for me, and the reason is I'm an introvert, right? Now, my mom still thinks, and we have this debate every time I say I'm an introvert to her, she thinks that means socially awkward, and I am socially awkward, right? But that's not the definition of an introvert. An introvert is someone who uses energy when they're around people, right? So you can be gregarious, you can like people, but it takes energy away from you when you're around them. And all of you are like little vampires to me. You just suck out all of my emotional resources, right? And I love you, but my natural disposition is to turtle, is to stay at home, is to just relax, is to recharge my batteries, right? And so community can be fairly hard for me. In fact, it's fairly hard and counter-cultural, and it's not just me as an introvert, but also American culture really glamorizes the individual, right? And so we want our best life, right? We find these truths to be self-evident, and it's all about us. And there's nothing wrong with American culture versus another culture. There's advantages and disadvantages to everything, right? But... If taken to its extreme, then it becomes all about us. It becomes all about me, which isn't about community, right? Our scripture reading is going to come from the early church, Acts chapter 2. This is talking about they, and this is the first church, right? This is the first gathering of believers, and it starts to describe what is happening in this gathering. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, So Jesus taught the apostles, and the apostles then took that teaching, and they passed it on to the next generation. So that's sermons. That's reading the Bible. Okay, that's familiar. We're okay with that. To fellowship. Okay, they would gather together. we do that on Sunday mornings. To the breaking of the bread. That's shorthand for celebrating communion. We're going to do that in a little bit. And to prayer. All right, so far we're good on Sunday morning for an hour a week. I am okay with this first verse. But then it gets a little bit more uncomfortable. Everyone was filled at all with the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, right? And all the believers were together and had everything in common. This is where I start to get a little bit uneasy, right? I'm like, what what exactly does that mean that we had everything in common? Well, it describes that. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. This is the record scratch moment for me, right? This is the what? Hey, we just bought a house. I don't want to sell my house. We just, like, this gets uncomfortable. What does this look like? What is this community that God's trying to build, right? Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Every day. Introvert, I love all of you. I really do. I don't want to spend every day with you, right? I want to go home. I want to spend time with my puppy. And even my puppy sometimes, I'm like, you go outside. I'm going to stay in, right? Every day they've got together. They broke bread in homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You read through the section of scripture and it's almost this kumbaya moment, right? It's almost this surreal, like, what in the world? Because you imagine if that's what the church was known for? If, if you were to ask someone walking down the street who didn't attend church regularly and said, what are the Christians about? They said, oh man, they're always together. They're generous. They're kind. These miracles are happening all over the place. So that they were held in favor by all the people. Everyone looked at them and said, whatever they're doing, I might not even believe in it, but it's good and it's beautiful. Could you imagine if that's what the church looked like? If that's what Christian community was defined as? It's almost surreal. And quite frankly, as a pastor of a church— In some ways, I'm like, what am I doing wrong that that's not happening, right? Like, I look at my own church, and I love you guys, but it's like, that's not describing us to a T, right? It's not describing me to a T. And where I actually find comfort in the book of Acts is that if that was all that we had, if it was the only description of the early church, you'd be like, wow, they crushed it and we are screwing it up royally, right? That is not the only description in Acts. What you find is quite quickly, things start spiraling out of control. Tribalism starts to take part. One of the big issues with the early church was it was made up of ancient Israelites. And in ancient Israel, they were called to be separate from the rest of the world. And so they found their identity in being separate than everyone else, right? Right? And through that separation, they created a tribe, which all of us do. We've talked about tribalism. It's just essentially people who are like me. But that separated them from everyone else. And they knew Jesus had a plan for the world, but they thought Jesus' plan for the world is, well, we're going to be the top tier, and there's going to be a second tier of people, and they're all going to be underneath us. And so in a way, they were thinking, God had in mind this giant pyramid scheme, right? And so there was Jesus at the very top, And then there was the people of Israel. And then below them was everyone else. Everyone else like you and me, right? Texans would definitely be lower on the pyramid. Everyone was lower on the pyramid than ancient Israel. But God had a different plan. He had a different idea of what his community was going to look like. And so as these early Christians are separating themselves, God gives a vision to Peter. Peter was one of the original apostles. And this uh, dream essentially goes like this. He throws down this cloak, and there's all this food on this cloak, but it's all this food that if you were an ancient Israelite, you weren't supposed to eat. So pigs, bacon was on this cloak, right? And God says, I want you to eat this. And he's like, nope, not having it. Right? And again, this is one of those parts of Scripture that I'm just is so glad is there because I love bacon so much, so, so much, right? And God's like, I need you to eat the bacon. And Peter's like, but I'm not supposed to eat the bacon. In the Old Testament, that was one of the ways we separated ourselves from everyone else. We didn't eat the bacon. And three times God says, I need you to eat the bacon. Do not call what is unclean what I have made clean. So Peter wakes up from this vision. He's like, what in the world was that about? And immediately someone comes to him and says, hey, there's this Roman God follower. And he said that the Holy Spirit said to call you. And Peter shows up at this Roman's house. And he says this. He says, while he was talking, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. And he said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law from the Old Testament for a Jew to associate or visit with a Gentile, right? So this is Old Testament, we're supposed to be separate. He goes, but God is doing something different. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Then Peter began to speak, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Christ Jesus, who is Lord of all. Christianity was not merely countercultural at this point, it wasn't something different, it wasn't another option. It transformed the culture. Because, see, what sin does, and we talk about this a lot, right, but all it knows how to do is rip things apart. And so sin rips us apart from God, it rips us apart from our world, but it rips us apart from each other as well. That's what tribalism is. It's us or them. There's a separation. And what Jesus does is he comes and he says, no, 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 no. It's just us now. And it's going to change how you interact with every other culture And so it's not about, is there a Christian culture, right? Sometimes we think God wants to create our own Christian bubble, our own Christian community. That is not what he's trying to do in the church. He's actually trying to take Christ's people and send them into different cultures and bring out the best of those cultures, whether it be your racial background, whether it be your political background, whether it be your citizenship. He says, wherever you go, I want to connect Jesus to that culture and I want to transform that culture. And right now, we need that, don't we? Think how good we are at dividing ourselves. Either by our politics or by our language or by our country of origin, we are literally tearing the world apart because of tribalism. And Jesus says, "I have a plan for that." says Christians, Jesus people, they go in the situation differently. They don't show favoritism. They don't see us or them. They see sons and daughters that God wants to adopt into the family. And that community creates something new. It creates something beautiful. It creates something alive. And we live in a world that needs something alive, something beautiful, something reflective of Christ. One of the ways that the early church described Christian community was calling ourselves the body of Christ. Paul's writing to the church in Corinth and he says this, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. So we were all baptized with one spirit so as to form one body, whether they're Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part but of many. We were created for organic community. You know, oftentimes we look at the church and we look at it as a structure, right? We look at it as a system. And one of my favorite books is called The Cat and the Toaster. And the premise of the book is we look at churches like toasters, they have 12 parts, and if the toaster isn't working, you just take the, part, the toaster apart, you figure out what part's broken, you put it back together, you plug it in, you make toast, right? And then we wonder, why isn't church like that? Because the church isn't an inanimate object. The church doesn't have 12 parts. The church is made up of millions, in fact, billions of individual people with millions and billions of individual experiences. And so the church isn't a toaster, Church is a cat, right? A cat, think about how many cells are in a cat, right? Millions. And have you ever tried to tell a cat to do anything? It doesn't work, right? We as humans are not in control of the cat, and yet we can create environments where cats can flourish, right? Where they can be successful and alive, and then they will operate as God designed them to at the end of the day, a church is not a toaster that I as the pastor am supposed to be able to say, I'm going to push this button and all of y'all are going to do something, right? All of you, rightfully so, would look at me and be like, good luck with that, Josh. This is going to be a fun experiment, right? But if we look at Christian community as this living, beautiful organism designed by God to be this agent of goodwill and strength and power that all parts of the cat, the paws and the eyes and the tongue and the fur all take care of each other. Something beautiful something, something beautiful happens, something powerful happens. But there are some truths that come with that. Paul goes on in Corinthians, he says, Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted to be. If we were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And again, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. All right. Think about this illustration for a moment. Essentially, he says, Imagine my hand telling the rest of my body, You know what, Josh? I got this. I don't need the arm. I don't need the legs. I don't need the mind. I don't need the eyes. I don't need the tongue. I don't need any of that. I am just going to be a hand. Right? How ridiculous would that be? Right. If my legs said, You know what? I'm good. If my eyes said, I'm good, th- that's not what they were designed for. They were designed to be a part of something bigger. And I wrestled with how I wanted to say this next thing, because originally I said, you know what, your faith is incomplete without spiritual community. That was lacking. Your faith is spiritually handicapped, significantly, severely. In fact, you're maimed without spiritual community, without Christian community. And again, this is counter-cultural. This is counter what we think in the church. Because oftentimes we think what's most important is my relationship with God. And everything else other than that, you give me my Bible, I can talk to God whenever I want, and I am good. That is not in Scripture. And in fact, whenever we make it all about ourselves, you can be in good confidence that you are in sin, right? Whenever you are separating yourself, be it from God or from his community— Something broken is happening, and you are spiritually handicapping yourself. Back in uh, high school, I was told that the greatest lie that Satan ever told was convincing us he didn't exist. I, I still believe that lie, right? That oftentimes that we don't think evil is really out there. But I don't think that's the biggest lie in the church right now. The biggest lie in the church is convincing us we don't belong to one another, that we don't need one another. But the truth of Scripture, the beauty of Scripture, is that we have a God who came down, who died to reconnect us to him, but to reconnect us to each other as well. It was all about reconciliation. It was all about restoration. It was all about this beautiful organism that God was going to create called the church, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, to be his hands and his feet in a broken world. But then there's another truth on the other side of this. <clears throat> on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable and the parts that we think are honorable, AKA the pastor, we treat with special honor and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty while presentable spot, uh, parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. That's actually the pastor. You hear this clearly. What we think is the most important part of the church, the staff, the pastor, it's actually not the crucial parts. And in fact, so that there should be no division in the body, but its parts should have equal concern for one another. Why? Because if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. What Paul is saying is not only are you spiritually handicapped without the church, Our church is spiritually handicapped without you. Hear this clearly. The local body of Christ is missing something without you in it. Right? And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be at this church. But God uniquely designed each and every person in this room from baby to grandbabies. Right? To be a part of his community and without you we're less. What does that look like? How does that happen? Well, acts of love, right? So we have a free child care center for moms in Leander School District. That only happened because we had a member at this church who was the eyes and saw a problem in Leander. They saw moms dropping out of school when they were having babies, and she raised it to the rest of the church and said, this is a need. And then that got connected with hands that were able to say, you know what? We have some resources for this. And then the whole church rallied around and now we have a free daycare where every year moms and dads are graduating from high school. They know they are loved and they know it was Jesus' people who showed up to love them because one of our members was the eyes that we needed to see. Other members were the hands and the feet and the resources for our body of Christ to move. And that only happened because they were a part of what God was doing here. And God isn't done yet. He's still moving. He's still acting. Each and every one of you has a role that you were designed for to be a part of what God is doing in this community. It's part of the core of who we are as Christian community at Acts. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at actschurchleander.com.